0: The reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 12. Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, and each woman with her own husband. A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say this, I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman... As a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. A brother or sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? This is the word of the Lord.
1: My name's Kirsty, I'm married to Pads, and I am the curate here at St. Matthew's, and congratulations, Emily, Joe, Colin, family and friends, this wonderful celebration today. And uh, yes, I've drawn the short straw on this passage, because uh, we are doing a series in 1 Corinthians, and so today it is chapter 7, all about marriage and sexual relationships. I think there might be a picture coming up in a minute talking about marriage. Do we recognise this couple? So actually I thought it would be much better today if I interviewed Joe and Colin and and they could unpack this passage for us. No, I, I jest, I jest. Well, I read so many commentaries about this passage. I think I was going around in a bit of a whirlwind with it all, really. But anyway, I'm going to be going through the whole passage. You've only got 1 to 16 in the service sheet. But there are Bibles that have hopefully been dotted around the church. So if you're following me, I'm on page 1148. It's 1148. Chapter 7, 1 Corinthians. And this is the Apostle Paul who is responding to a letter that has been written to him by the people of Corinth. They've got lots of questions. And the first question that he answers at the very beginning, chapter one now, sorry, chapter, verse one, chapter seven. Now, for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman. Now, Thistleton, who's one of the uh, commentaries I read, says that in actual fact, this is not Paul speaking when he says it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. It's actually, he suggests, something that's in the letter... And what has happened in Corinth? Corinth was a trading city that was really flourishing. And anything went in Corinth. People were sleeping with everybody. People were sleeping um, with prostitutes, temple prostitutes. And everything got really out of hand. People were, as we uh, heard about last week from Tracy, they were suing one another and taking one another to court. And it's into this situation that Paul comes and he speaks to them. And so it's important to understand that there were people in the church who were not honoring their marriage vows. Instead, they had come and put their faith in Jesus Christ and they thought, right, now what we need to do is we need to get out of this marriage. Or we need to go and have sexual relations with other people who were not married to. There was all sorts of things going on. And so Paul is answering this question by saying sexual immorality is occurring within the church and all around the city, but you are called to be holy people. Christians, when they marry, their marriage is called to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know he obviously wasn't married, but he lived a holy life where there was no sin. And so this whole letter is about living holy lives, in response to the Corinthians' question, because they're saying, well, surely we shouldn't have sex with anyone then, because that would make us very spiritual and very pure. And he's saying, no, hang on a minute. You're not meant to just change everything just because you've come to put your faith in Jesus. You're meant to stay as you are. If you are married, then stay faithful to your wife. Only have sexual relationships with her. And to wives, remain faithful to your husband's and only have sexual relationships with him. And I think Paul has actually had quite, um, quite hard press over the years because he's always been seen to be very sort of anti-marriage, really. And I don't think he is at all because he says in his letter to the church in Galatians that, um, that we are all one in Christ. When we are baptised in Christ, we are all one through faith. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And he doesn't say that men are better than women or in charge of women or women are in charge of men. We read here that the wife and the husband, neither of them has authority over their own bodies, but they are to give lovingly to one another. So... Having been married some 35 years now, I know that marriage has lots of challenges. Sexual relationships is one area that we have a big challenge in. I remember many years ago, Pad saying to me about, um, well, should we go on the marriage course, which is something that they run at Greyfriars Church and other churches. And I remember saying, why do we want to go on the marriage course? There's nothing wrong with our marriage. He said, well, it's all about relationships. So we went on the marriage course, and actually it was one of the best things I've ever done. And they have a whole evening on sexual relationships, on sex. And it was one of the best things that I have ever done. And it has really, um, not just in the sexual sense, but it has really encouraged our relationship completely. Because you listen to one another, you honour one another, you respect one another. And I found it really, really helpful. So I would suggest to people who haven't done the marriage course, whether you have struggles or not, it is really, really good and really worth doing. And there's also a couple of books that I have found very useful over the years, written by uh, Stormy O. Martin, called The Power of a Praying Wife and The Power of a Praying Husband. Now, what I actually learned is that I can't change my husband. I thought I could. But actually, what happens (laughs) when you start praying is that actually God changes you. And, uh, and as a result, uh, the whole marriage, the whole relationship is so, so much better. So anyway, poor Paul, who um, is having to answer these whole questions, and he doesn't mince his words, he actually says that we need to be giving ourselves to one another and not manipulating one another by maybe not having sexual relationships but we actually need to give freely, lovingly to one another because that is such a good witness to the world. Christian marriages are such a good witness to the world and God calls us to be witnesses to the world. But he also calls us to be real. And when we have struggles, God has placed us in a church family and we are here for one another to be able to listen, to encourage and to pray for one another and to have some wise counsel. And I've certainly had some wise counsel over the years. So Paul goes on to say, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. I think also in this context in Corinth, this would have been completely groundbreaking news to the Corinth Christians because the man was seen very much as the head of the household. And Paul is saying, no, we're all... You're all one, actually. It's mutual in Christ. It is mutual. We're all equal, which I think is really important. So don't abstain from sexual relationships. Come together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. We know that we have an enemy. There is nothing more than Satan our enemy likes than to destroy Christian marriages. Anything that can um, stop us moving closer to God and being a witness for God in this world, he comes to destroy, which is why it is so important that we honor one another and that we have good sexual relationships, but not just sexual relationships. It's everything else that a marriage is. It's listening to one another. It's honoring one another. It's loving one another and putting our partner before ourselves, and that can be quite hard at times. But Paul says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. And he says that I wish, in verse 7, that all of you were like me. Because Paul is, we don't quite know why, but Paul is single. Whether or not that's because um, his wife left him when he became a Christian, I don't know. Whether he's widowed, uh, maybe he was single. And he's saying that I wish that you were all as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. And it's really interesting actually reading about this because um, Fee, who's a great um, theologian says that these gifts is the gift of marriage and the gift of celibacy. Now, some of you might think, oh, gosh, is that a gift? But people are called to live single lives, to be celibate, in order that they can devote themselves to God. And if you're in your Bible, if you move over to verse 32 in this chapter 7, Verse 32, Paul says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. So marriage is a gift, and celibacy is a gift. They are both gifts from God. And it's important that, that we recognise that these are gifts. And I don't know about you, but quite a few of my single friends, I've been trying to get them married for quite a long time. And actually, is that right? Because I feel, oh, you must get married. And there is this sort of thing that we feel people must get married. But actually, what we're all called to do is to seek God's will. What is God's will for our lives? Because if we are not married then we are much freer to devote ourselves to God and not be distracted by our husbands or our wives or our children as much as we love them. But Paul is not saying one is better than the other. He is saying that they are both gifts. Marriage is a gift and celibacy is a gift. And there was obviously quite a lot going on at the time because, again, in verse 26, it says, because of the present crisis. Now, we don't quite know what the present crisis was in Corinth, but it would seem that maybe um, there was a lot of persecution or maybe they thought the Lord was imminently about to return, so therefore it's much better not to be married because you won't have all these complications of having a wife or children to worry about. And I know um, a friend of mine who... um, went to work in Africa many years ago with um, an AIDS project I remember I've been trying to marry her off for years and I remember saying to her you know I'm really praying that you'd find a husband and she said to be quite honest she said I don't think that's for me because well certainly not for now because I wouldn't be able to do what the Lord is calling me to do if I was married unless somebody shared this vision with me and so I think it's really important that we think about what is it that the Lord has called each one of us to do. And Paul, speaking into this letter, is saying, hang on a minute, don't, you know, divorce your wives or leave them because you've become a Christian and you're now meant to think, oh, I need to be single. Just stay as you are in the situation that God has called you in. If you're married, stay married and be faithful to your partner and be loving to them in every way. If you're not married then stay as you are, unless God is calling you to be married. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. We read towards the end of the chapter in verse 39. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes. But he must belong to the Lord. It's interesting because a lot of people feel that they should only marry a Christian. And, if they are a Christian. And uh, that obviously would, if it's, certainly if you're widowed, that would seem to be very applicable in this case. But I would be on my own now if, I, um, if Pads had listened to what I had said many years ago. Because Pads, when he came to faith, I remember him saying to me, I've given my life to the Lord. And I went, oh great, because we were married at that time. And, uh, but it wasn't, oh great, I actually felt really threatened by the whole thing. Because I didn't understand, what do you mean you've given your life to the Lord? I said "Tim, the only person you gave your life to was me when we got married. And if we looked at this passage here, which talks about the unbeliever and that you are free to leave... The unbeliever, if they don't want to stay with you. I actually said to Pads, Well, you better go and find someone like yourself then. That's what I actually said to him at the time because I didn't understand this newfound faith that he had, which was suddenly taking over his whole life. So I can understand if people who aren't married feel called to marry somebody who's not a believer, they're going to end up with problems. We have problems and we were married but I can understand that you might have problems because one person is devoting their life to the Lord and the other one just doesn't get it. But thankfully, Chris, our very dear friend who um, took pads along to the church and led pads to the Lord, had said to him, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus and you will lead your whole family to faith. And he took that to be a prophetic word. And I'm so glad he did, because otherwise he might well have said to me, well, that's fine, you know, if you want to go and be with someone who's not a a believer, you go. But he didn't. He stuck with me. And actually, it was about a year later that God got hold of me. I was very resistant, but God got hold of me, and now look what's happened. (laughs) never know where God's going to take you. And so there is real hope. There is real hope. But I think it's important that we really seek God's will. If you're thinking about getting married, seek God's will. Is this what he wants for your life? Is this the right person? Is this somebody who makes you the person that God created you to be, who allows you to be yourself? And I know people who've said, oh, well, my husband doesn't mind that you know I'm a Christian or my husband doesn't mind that I'm a Christian and they allow me to go to church, which is, which is great, absolute great. And again, the passage we read gives us great hope when it says, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? But it could also be giving us a warning that things could be difficult. We could be going down different paths and that can... Cause all sorts of problems. <coughs> but I think the important thing that Paul is saying to us and he was saying to the people of Corinth is that when you become a Christian when you put your faith in Jesus you don't suddenly need to change everything and change your job or or suddenly leave your wife or leave your husband because you seem to think that's going to allow you to have a closer relationship with God or to be more pure. Marriage is a gift Celibacy is a gift. And we are to stay as God calls us, but to seek his will. And there's some difficult passages here, which we it was some scriptures that, to wrestle with. Um, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And to the married I give this command, not I but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and her husband must not divorce his wife. And these are really difficult passages for us to consider, and Paul is quoting Jesus' words in Mark when some of the Pharisees came and they tested Jesus by asking him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus said to them, well, what did Moses say? And he said, well, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote this law. Jesus replied, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and a mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And it goes on to say, when the disciples were back in the house with Jesus, they said, so so what exactly does this mean? And Jesus said, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, She commits adultery. It's the same in Luke's Gospel. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus actually says that... um, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman commits adultery. And these are really hard scriptures for us to get our heads around. But it was for the sanctity of marriage. And God wants to keep his people holy and to be a a witness to the world. We have been set apart to be a witness to the world in our marriages, in our lives, in our relationships. But the good news is God loves us. He loves each one of us so much. It doesn't matter how much we've messed up in our lives. There's always a way forward with God. He forgives us when we come to him and we say, sorry, Lord, we've messed up. I've certainly messed up enough times in my marriage. God is... Love. So we can glean from Paul's letter that these are all things to protect people so that people don't get hurt by having relationships outside of marriage, but also for people to be seeking God's will. Are they meant to get married? It is a gift of celibacy and a gift of marriage. Neither one is better than the other. So I think drawing this all to a close, we are all followers of Jesus Christ, who himself was not married. He is a holy God, and he causes people to be holy people, to live holy lives, whether we're married or not. And he places us in his family. So that we're here to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to listen to one another. So I'm just going to just ask the Holy Spirit to come, if you're happy to do that. Just to have a time of silence and just ask the Lord to come by his Spirit to speak to each one of us because he knows what's going on in our lives and he loves us so very, very much. There's nothing that God cannot do with us if we're open and willing.